continue our, bi our daily Bible reading as we read in 1 Timothy and now in chapter 2. Paul continues by starting out to uh, remind them about the, their prayer life. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So uh, a slight nuance on each one of those um, and, and the different types of prayers that, uh, that we lift up to God. Sometimes our prayers are for thanksgiving. Sometimes we're interceding for other people. Sometimes their prayers as we pray to God, just that communication that we have with God. And, and sometimes, and, and included in them, are the supplications. We come to God only because of, because of what Christ has done for us. That's the only way we can come before him. We can't come because we deserve to. We can't come because uh, we've made this relationship, but recognizing that, uh, that God has given that to us. He has us pray for, he says, verse 2, for kings and for all are, who are in high positions, so that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And what that describing there is a place for, a place where the gospel has an opportunity to, to grow. When there's peace in our time, when there's, when there's a, a quietness in, as opposed to the turmoil that we see in our, our society and our world right now, we see how much harder that's making the work of, of the church right now uh, with all the um, um, violence that's happening uh, now, the, the, the turmoil amongst religions and, and denominations even in our world and just uh, where, where we're not following much of an authority, but every single one of us is kind of an authority to ourselves. I'll decide what's right and what's wrong. And we see the turmoil that that brings uh, in our world. Praying for a peaceful, quiet uh, life doesn't mean that we're not active, but that there is the peace and the quietness, if you will, so that the gospel can have its course and you and I can be good stewards in spreading that. Then he tells us what is at the heart of God, and this is so crucial. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, and what does God want? He desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now keep that in mind, because think how that flies in the face of so many things um, that, that others don't understand about God. Uh, they think God is out to get them. They think God created hell so he could send more people there. They think God loves to send people to hell. No, here's the heart of God. God wants all people to turn from their way, to come to him, to stop cursing themselves, um, uh, and, and to come and to follow him. He sent a savior into the world for that very purpose. And here's a great passage. We keep this in mind. Um, it, it keeps Satan from tempting us. You know, well, does God really love you, which is what he, he tried with Adam and Eve right off the bat. Why would God say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Um, no, here's the heart and soul of God for you and me. And he brings it up right away in the next verse. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. Um, who gave us that mediator? He says, the man Christ Jesus. We didn't uh, come up with the mediator to make ourselves right with God. No, God is the one who initiated that. And he sent the mediator, who, by the way, is Christ Jesus, his only son, who was willing to become human for us and lowered himself to become obedient unto death, even death upon a cross on our behalf. What does that say something about our, our relationship with God? So in those times when we're confused about God and we're not quite sure um, why God would allow this or that, remember that he's doing it in a heart of love, this kind of love, uh, who wants all people to be saved. Then he goes on to talk about how important it is that we be in prayer. I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. He must know something about human nature, which he does in, in men, and that that's our, our natural way, state, unfortunately, because of sin, to get into anger and to quarreling. No, we need to be praying for each other. 
Then he talks about roles of men and women too, not that they both shouldn't be doing this, but uh, in particular, he says, likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in a respectful apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire. His point being that if we're going to look for our, our uh, self-identity and, and who we are and our value in the way that we look, we know how fickle that is. And that's not how God values us. God values us because he created us, every single one of us, men and, women and men included, and, and he he gives us our value in that he loved us enough that he sent his only son. And you can see what he's uh, trying to get across here. Then he gets into the various roles that God has given us as men and women. And that's just it. It's a God-given responsibility that God has placed upon us. He says, let women learn quietly and with all submissiveness. So remember that 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 quiet, that peaceful state that he talks about um, and, and for keeping good order is what he's talking about there. And what he means by submissiveness, too, is he brings it up, uh, uh, Paul does in Ephesians 5, when he talks about the marriage relationships. Um, submitting means even though you're equal, even though you have a right to it, you're willing to listen to God and do things in the order that God that God put it um, in order for, for the good of all people and realize that God did it on purpose. Obviously, he's not saying, because you know from the rest of Scripture, uh, that women are lesser than men, that it's an ability issue. Um, um, but it's a responsibility issue that God gives, just as he does in marriage. When he says to husbands or to wives, your husband is the head of the marriage. That's a responsibility issue that he gives and doles out. And, and they're to do it out of respect uh, for God and out of trusting God that God uh, did it this way for our good. And in fact, he explains it that way when in the latter verses, he goes back to the beginning and, and the order of creation and the way that God created us. Also, what happened in the fall, too. And again, not that he's blaming Eve for that. Adam was as much a part of that as well. Um, but again, he, he says Adam should have taken responsibility there, right there at the beginning. And therefore, he didn't. And look at the look at what happened because of that. So again, we look at look at God, uh, God's design and, and the way that God created us. Then in the last verse, um, if you take this out of context, you're going to read this quite wrong. He says, for she will be saved through childbearing. And commentators have looked at that in a couple of ways. Number one, by being the woman that she is, men cannot bear children. So by being the woman that God created them to be and others that I think Luther even even included, how does the Messiah come into the world but through a woman, born of a woman? So she will be saved, and all of us are saved through childbearing, in particular the bearing of the child by Mary of Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. And, and he's not only talking to women, and it's true for men too, that we should continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Um, so uh, we look again at the consistency of Scripture, that message that, that started out in Genesis as God created us, then carrying out those roles that God gave to us uh, for the good of the fact that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So God bless you as you continue to read in Paul's instructive letter to Timothy.